HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, April 23rd. This is the 16th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, we're going to be discussing restaurant accounting with a very experienced CPA, who I will introduce in a moment. But first, I will do my PR tip. And then later we will have my speed round questions, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. Okay, so as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, let's tip this show off with my PR tip of the week. Okay, today's tip is to learn to delegate. Now, I have to admit, this is not something I'm very good at, as I tend to do everything myself. However, delegating should make your life and my life easier. When you find the right people to do jobs that you could do yourself, but it's their specialty, it makes sense to delegate and take something off your plate. Now, pretty much all of the guests I'm having on this show are people who restaurateurs could delegate to, from designers to accountants, publicists, photographers, and so on. They each provide a special skill and are experts in their field. So they are ideal delegatees. Opening and running a restaurant is not easy, and getting help will help. So that's my tip. Delegate. Okay, I'm thrilled to have my guest here today. It's a friend of mine I've known for several years. Her name is Dana Zukowski. She is a CPA and the Associate Director in the New York City office of SS&G, one of the nation's largest independent accounting and business consulting firms. Specializing in the restaurant and hospitality industries, Dana provides tax, assurance, and financial consulting services to the firm's clients located on the East Coast. Dana previously worked 
as a director of finance for celebrity chef Bobby Flay's restaurants. She also spent close to 10 years working for several large regional accounting firms in New York City. Dana is a graduate of the University of Florida Fisher School of Accounting, and she also earned her Master's of Business Administration from Baruch College. She is an active member of City Harvest through her involvement with Generation Harvest. So welcome, Dana. Thank you. Thanks for having me here today. Move the yeah microphone a little okay. closer. Um, well, my pleasure. I'm so excited for you to be here. So, so you went to University of Florida. Go Gators. Yes. Not and, such a great Final Four, but that's okay. Yeah, but you know they're doing well. They're doing well in basketball. Yes. Uh, so I was so you went to you gra- you have a degree in accounting. So did you know right away that's what you wanted to do? When I was in school, accounting just came easy to me, so I kept doing it and upon graduation I started working for local accounting a local accounting firm and the work wasn't that exciting. It was just day to day, it was the same thing over and over and then I got on my first restaurant account and it was with the Smith and Walensky restaurant group and all of a sudden the people I w- was working with were nice and they were extra fun and they would come in and we'd have snacks and they were chatty. <laughs> they were restaurant people. It was all about the snacks. Right. So <laughs> I went back to my partners and I told them that I wanted to do more work in the restaurant space. So there was another client that the firm had just gotten and it was down on Clinton Street. And at the time, it, the partner told me, you have to take a cab both ways because I just don't know what it's going to be like at night when it's dark out. And I went to this bodega and I knocked on the door and it, Wiley Dufresne opened it. And I helped them when they were first opening WD-50. Wow. And I was, didn't know that. And it was at that point that I knew that I wanted to focus in the restaurant industry, watching an actual restaurant start from a bodega until the night that they opened. So that's how you got into restaurants. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great story. I didn't didn't know. So so then over the years, you were working with many different restaurants. Right. So I left that accounting firm shortly after. Just They didn't have as big of a restaurant presence as I was looking for. And I went to another regional firm who also, their focus was in the restaurant space. So through that, I got a chance to see hundreds of restaurants, starting with very small single-unit restaurants all the way to franchise work. And I got a chance to just experience a little bit of everything which was wonderful. And then I left there shortly. I left there after a few years and went to work for Bobby Flay and Lawrence Kretschmer and helped them when they were building the Burger Palace brand or as they continued to build it. And that was I about started, five years ago, I'm yes. guessing? So I okay. started there in 2008 and I was there for four years and it was the best experience of my entire life. It was so wonderful to actually take what I was doing as a professional and actually use it in practice and see how the operator actually uses what the accounting firm is doing. And it made me just so much better at my job to work with the operator so that I was able to see what they really need and what they don't and what's just really necessary and how it is actually executed. So what was, what was that like a day in the life like, like what do you, how do you go about, working with, you know, opening Bobby's Burger Palace and and doing the accounting on that? So a lot of my job was making sure that all of our sales were accurate and entered properly and making sure the bills got paid and all the 
the stuff that's not so exciting and fun but has to be done. But uh, it was also working with the management team, so working with the different managers in the different locations so that they understood what their food cost was and their payroll and also helping them manage it and lower it when it needed to be lowered and maintaining it when it was where when it was in a good space. But what was great about working with the management team there was they taught me so much too. So when I would ask them to do something, I couldn't always understand why it couldn't be done right away. So I would go in and actually spend a day with them and I saw what their job was like and it's made me so much better at my current career. Right. Because now I understand why my what I needed wasn't always the most important. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So your current job, you left, Bobby, you said after four plus years. I left after four, a little over four years. Okay. I realized that I missed working and touching with a lot of restaurant companies. And I wanted to get back into the public accounting consulting space. And SS&G, which is the firm I'm currently at, is an Ohio-based firm. And I've known them for years. Whenever there was any conference or seminar, there was always someone representing SSNG at the seminar. So I mean, I met the people over the years, and I maintained relationships with them. And they'd been wanting to open an office in New York, and I was looking for a new home in an, in the accounting world. And together, we decided to just open an office together. So that's awesome. Yeah. So it was very flattering. And January first, SSNG opened up their New York office. It's the first non. Midwest office they have. So it's very new. That's that's exciting. And so right now, is it is it just you in the New York office? It's just me in the New York office for now. Hopefully not for much longer. <laughs> and But the team comes out quite often. So we have, for our attestation, our audit clients, we do have teams from Ohio that come out and they do the work. And they'll work out of my office or out of the different restaurant companies or whatever needs to be done. And I didn't realize until this job that Cincinnati is only about an hour flight away. So it's a very easy trip for them to come in if I need someone. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Yes. Yeah, it's very close. Mm -hmm. So what are these services that you provide at SSNG for restaurants? So we have the basic services that any other accounting firm would have, audit, tax. But what makes us special is our largest vertical is the hospitality space. And 10% of our staff only works on restaurant work. So we really, truly are experts in the industry. So for a tax example, there are different things in the tax code that no matter how great your accountant is, they just might not know about that some of the intricacies because mm-hmm. they don't do it every day. The other thing that makes us special is because of our expertise, we offer a lot of different consulting projects. So we'll go in and do system analysis to see What's your company doing and what could you be doing to make it better? We know the best practices and we help our clients institute them, implement them. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's, who's someone you're working with now? That in, are, are you just, since you're in New York, your clients will be New York clients? or my Part of my job is to grow the practice in New York, okay. as, but I have a client down in D.C. as well that I was working on a project with. And I have an opportunity down in Florida. So it's pretty much the East Coast with a New York focus, New York regional right. focus. And the East Coast is big. And the East Large Coast market. is very big. <laughs> yes. So right now I'm working with Harlow, which is a fun restaurant on 56th Street. 
I've heard of Harlow. I haven't been there. So it's new. is it is it new? I think relatively okay. new. It's about a year old, and I'm working with 30 acres in Jersey City. Oh, cool! I've heard great things about that place. Yes. I have not been there yet. The food is fantastic, and it's right by the path train if you're coming from Manhattan. And um, and chopped salads is a client of ours too. Ah, chopped. So they've been around a while. They've been around a while, and they're growing, and they're in New York, and they're in some of the surrounding areas and they're in the DC market. So we do work with big companies as well as single units that may or may not be looking to grow. No, that's, that's a diverse list for sure, because I don't know how many chops there are, but I would guess, let me guess like 15 in the city. There's more than that. Okay. Within the company. (laughs) So yes, but it's a great company, and they're again, they're growing, and we're here to help them with whatever they need for that growth. Well, excellent. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll come back and talk some more with Dana, so don't go anywhere. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Seeing a need to help people sort through all the misinformation about healthy eating, Whole Foods Market added a seventh core value to promote the health of our stakeholders through healthy eating education. In our stores, we give you the tools you need for choosing the most nutritious foods and healthy recipes, as well as offering classes with nutritionists and cooking coaches to help inspire good health and well-being. Stop by your local store today and learn more about our Health Starts Here program and wellness clubs or online at wholefoodsmarket.com slash health starts here. Hi, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. Today, my guest is Zayna. Sorry, Zayna. <laughs> Oops, Dana Zukovsky of SSNG, and we're talking restaurant accounting. Okay, so we're talking working with restaurants. So why do you enjoy working with restaurants? I mean, besides the snacks that we mentioned right. at the beginning. What I love working, when I like working with restaurants and what it, is really the people. It's people work in the restaurant industry because they love it. And there is that hospitality factor with the people, even on the business side of it. You have to be passionate about what you do because it is your life. And restaurants are open seven days a week, and they're open more hours than a retail store. And they don't close when the market closes. So if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's probably not going to work. And I like that. I like working with people who are invested in what they're doing. Yeah, no, that's a good reason. <laughs> so, And I, I was I was also thinking, it just tax season just wrapped up, you must have been extremely busy. It was a busy season for me, both with the tax season work, but also having just opened the firm and the office Uh on January 1st. So it was a lot of business development, a lot of going and trying to work with new clients and making sure that their onboarding process went smoothly, as well as making sure that the work actually got done timely and correctly, which I knew would happen. But just the onboarding process usually isn't so quick. 
Yeah, I I get that. And I would think it's also a transition for you since you're independent right now versus when you're working at Bobby's office surrounded by, you know, people yes, helping out or, or um, conferring to them versus, you know, being independent. I know being independent sometimes can be challenging. Yes, I'm very lucky that I do rent space. So I do have people around me every day. So it's not like I'm going to an office by myself because that would get very lonely. And I also have all the people who I'm working with and who are helping me with my client work even though they're in Ohio, everything is so real time. And with the virtual networks that we have and just with every, really with just the, everything being online, they could be down the hall or down the block or in Ohio. And it really doesn't matter. So it's been mm-hmm. a really, everything's been pretty seamless, even though we're not actually in the same office. Right. Technology today makes that very easy. Very easy. A lot of dial in phone calls. <laughs> so I was I was on your website and I saw some things I wanted to ask you about, like benchmarking, performance measure. So what what exactly are you doing with benchmarking? So what we'll do, that's one of these other services that we provide to our clients where we'll work with them to see where their numbers are for food, whether it's food cost or labor or even with their paper supplies or anything that we think might be not the norm. And because of our large client list and the variety of clients we work with, we have all of their data. And with their permission, we do different studies and surveys of our clients where they provide us with a bunch of information and we could take that, we put it together and we distribute it to our clients and to other people we think are who might benefit from it. And you're able to take that and put your information against it and just use because of the wide variety of clients we work with, there's always going to be someone who has something like you or mm-hmm. has done something like you. So we're not looking to reinvent the wheel, and we're helping you not to have to do that either. Right. I would think maybe with Chopped you would be doing something like that. I think there's more um, competitors or people similar doing similar type like there's a lot of other yeah. There's a lot of other mm-hmm. businesses that mm-hmm. are similar. So someone like them... If, could use our benchmarking study, but so it's just as helpful to someone who's a single unit who doesn't have 16 or 17 other stores to compare themselves to. So we'll, we provide them the information so that they do have a comparison, a comparison. Got it. And then how often would you do that? We do benchmarking studies quarterly. Yeah. That makes sense. And we distribute them again through our website there, there and to our clients as well. Helpful information. Yes. (laughs) And then another thing I saw was this, I think you told me about this too last time I saw you, um, restaurant CFO boot camp. Yes. So we, we found it very successful. It started years ago and we have it three times a year for the, it's usually two this year. We're doing one in New York. The Vegas one is in June and then we do Chicago in September and October we're going to do New York. It's a three day seminar for restaurant CFOs or owner operators to come in, meet other people like them. It's usually we put no more than 40 people in a class. And we talk about hot topics in the industry that relate to restaurant CFOs. What also makes it so special is now you're in a room full of people just like you who have all done what you've done before. And again, it goes back to just having people so that you don't have to do it for the first time. So 
if there's something that you're not sure about, like how to handle gift cards and mm-hmm. have some, or has someone done a certain promotion, chances are if you're sitting in a room of 40 people, someone's done it already. And if they haven't, we've seen it as the professional. That's great. I mean, it's learning from your colleagues and getting advice from people who can give advice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's what, so we do that. And we bring in other professionals to speak as well on different topics. So it's, we try to keep it well-rounded, not just only about the finances. Yeah. And fun locations. I mean, great restaurant cities. Definitely great restaurants. A lot cities. going on in Vegas and Chicago. Yes. Here in New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in our New York location, we're working on now, but it's going to be the first time we're not doing it in a standard hotel location. We're trying to do something a little more fun. <laughs> it's like, I want to go. <laughs> You're more than welcome to come listen. I would in. learn. I would learn a lot. Yes, definitely. It's like going back to school for a few days. Yeah. Well, that that's, that's great. You do that. Uh, so last week I had on Sal Rizzo from Degustibus Cooking School. Have you met Sal before? I have not. All but right. I've been to the Degustibus Cooking School, okay. and I enjoy it greatly. Great. Well, he's he's great. I'll have to introduce you two at some point. But I asked him to ask you a question. So his question was, are there any tricks that you know of to help restaurants grow since they have such tight margins? In other words, what are some good saving tips? The best thing I t- could say and that I tell everyone is that you really need to stay on top of everything all the time. So whether it's running your numbers on a weekly basis, counting your inventory for your most expensive items on a daily basis. Once you fall behind, it's very hard to catch up, but it's very easy to stay on top of it. And if you do, you'll catch the mistake today and you'll be able to fix it for tomorrow. It's a lot harder to go back three and four weeks and fix a problem if you're only doing things at the end of the month. Yeah, that that's a good tip. Yes. And what about... What common mistakes maybe do you see that restaurants are doing? Like when you come in. <laughs> oh, there's so many. No. Um, one of the common mistakes is that people are only looking at their numbers quarterly. That's a, or monthly, I'm sorry. And sometimes quarterly, they're just not staying on top of it. I notice in a lot of new restaurants, they very great, greatly underestimate the cost to build a restaurant and to open a restaurant. So they also start behind the eight ball and they go in just so underfunded and it's hard to dig out of a hole. Yeah. I would think that's pretty common, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And you, and things you just don't expect. People don't realize that you have to pay your staff for a whole month before if <laughs> you're training them, they know they have to do it, but they just didn't include that in a budget. So I think that those are really the most important. If you're going to open something, just make sure that you're properly funded when doing it and to bring on the professionals before you do anything, whether it be accounting or legal or anything that might that might lead to getting in trouble later, it's easier to make sure you don't ever have the problem than having to fix it. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Yes. And I was going to ask too with, you mentioned you're working with someone in D.C. Do you notice a difference between how restaurants are operating and you know their finances between different cities not really between different cities i do notice that places depending on their size operate very differently but cross city or even within the different regions now that i'm working with a lot of midwestern companies it's really size dependent i see more of the similarities than i do within a certain marketplace 
Right. And do you prefer smaller or larger, you know, working with a smaller restaurant or larger? Or you just like the variety? I like the variety. I do like yeah. working with owner operators a lot. When Because it is that same yeah. feeling of being invested, and I'm sure you see it too. When you're working with the owner, they yeah. just they love it more. It's their baby. They grew it, and they're watching it, just watching it grow up. Yeah, I I can totally relate, and I think most of my clients have been more owner, chef, restaurant, smaller restaurants because I'm a smaller agency, and it's nice because you feel you're really a part of it, and you're helping them out, and you're seeing them accomplish their dream and you know and you actually good. feel it and yeah and it is that you feel like you're part of the family and i like that feeling yeah yeah you do so that's great yes okay cool we're gonna take a break here we're gonna come back and we're gonna do my speed round and industry news discussion this is all in the industry on heritage radio network Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Dana Zukovsky. So, Dana, it's now time for my speed round game. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so I'm going to name two things and you just pick your preference. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Always a la carte. How about small plates or large plates? Hmm. That one I have to go with mood dependent and who I'm with. Very good. I will take that. I will accept that as an answer. Thank you. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. That's been a common answer here. How about communal table or chef's counter? Communal table. I love talking to strangers next to me at dinner. Nice. I go with chef's counter, but... That's, yeah, either way you're sort of meeting people, but um, communal table is great for that. I always get weird at yeah. the chef counter in case I don't like something. <laughs> I get very uncomfortable. That's funny. Because they're yeah, watching you. I never thought you. of that. They are watching you. Usually I like everything, so that's good, but you're right. If, you're, if you don't, if you make a funny face. Right, I'm always worried they're watching me, so right. I can't focus on eating. <laughs> okay, cool. How about, this is an easy one, I think. Shake Shack or Bobby's Burger Palace? Oh, I was a vegetarian for 21 years until oh, I yeah. ate Bobby's Burger Palace, so I'm definitely biased there. But Shake Shack is definitely craveable. I totally forgot you were vegetarian. Yes. Bobby's changed you. Yes. This is a special one for you. Rayos or Rayos? <laughs> oh, it's just so good. There's nothing more fun than being uptown. I've never been there. <laughs> I'm going to go one day. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Awesome. Thank you. You're, you're very good. You won. 
You won. You won a discussion in our restaurant restaurant industry news discussion. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> okay, so the articles I have today, I have a little review heavy um, things I'm going to mention. So the first one was in the New York Times today. Telepan Local was reviewed by Pete Wells, and he gave it one star. And this is Bill Telepan's new place in Tribeca, and he didn't really like it. I mean the. I like Bill so much. I was. I, did you read this one? I don't know if you if you I saw that. I skimmed through it. I I also like Telepan. Yeah. So it yep. was surprising that there was a one star. But again, I haven't been yet. Yeah, I, well, I've actually been twice, which is amazing for me because I usually go everywhere once. But I went once for dinner at the bar with a friend mm-hmm. very early on, and we had the the tapas, the small plates, and you know one of Pete Wells is things he didn't like was he was saying the tables were too small and you couldn't fit all the small plates on your table. So I was at the bar, so we didn't have that problem. And it was, there were a lot of vegetables in the menu and I liked it. I mean, it was, we had a good time. And then a friend of mine wanted to go back for brunch. So I went for brunch more recently. I loved brunch. Like I had this salmon with latkes dish. It was, it was amazing and it was different, you, you know? So um, I mean, one star is good. It's just, um, I'm sure Bill is a little disappointed with the review, but he's a great guy. And I think people should still go down there and support this place. I think, I'll definitely yeah. go. And now for brunch, because that just sounded like I want to go there now and eat that. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And also, we, my friend and I also started with this grilled cheese pan con tomato. And that was something Pete Wells talked about really liking in the review it was like a tomato grilled cheese, and it was really delicious. Okay, so I know what I'm ordering. All right, now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go oh, for no. brunch, get those dishes, and um, yeah. So that was that. And then another article in the New York Times that Pete Wells wrote was about bread and water. He's uh, basically talking about how it's uncomfortable with the water situation in restaurants still that people say, you know tap still sparkling and you have that if you say just tap you feel bad um (laughs) he was commenting on that and then he was also saying with bread these days how you don't necessarily get bread for free they charge you for bread they kind of make you feel bad about the bread yes i agree with that and i do agree with the water situation it does make you feel i sometimes i feel that i do get a look when i say tap water um what I didn't, what I have noticed a lot lately, and I didn't f- complete the article, but a lot of restaurants I've been to recently are charging a flat fee for bottled water. So if you choose bottled water, they're going to keep refilling it at a per person charge, not per bottle charge, uh-huh. which I thought is an interesting way of doing it. But better than that is all. A lot of the restaurants now, I in an, I guess to help the environment are putting in just better filters and not even offering bottled water. They're just having filtered water, flat or sparkling, yeah. which I really like because then there is no uncomfortableness because everyone's getting tap. It's just flat or sparkling and it's all filtered. Yeah, I like that too. I always like when there's the house filtered sparkling option. Right. I love that idea. Yeah, I do too. And the bread, you know, this article, they had a big picture of Boulay's bread cart and I just went to Boulay for my birthday this year I'd never been 
and it's wow. a really have you have you been there? Mm-hmm. It's a special, really nice restaurant. Yes, and they wheeled in this bread cart in the middle of your meal. I'd never seen a bread cart running around the dining room, and I mean it was very it's very impressive. But and my delicious. but my question with it was like if I didn't know if they were going to charge you extra for the bread. I mean, it was very fancy. There was like 15 different types of bread you could get. And it seemed, you know, is this a part of this? Is this an, uh, are they going to charge me? I don't know. So, and it's a weird question to have to ask. Right. If it's something you're, if you are concerned about it, it is an odd question. They come to the table with the cart and now you say, is there a charge? You're at this nice restaurant and it's a fine yeah. dining experience. Is there a right way to even ask the question without feeling uncomfortable? And I don't think there is. I don't think there is. And I, I avoided it. My friend and I, they offered us samples and we tried those. And I didn't even know if they were going to charge us for that. It was right. weird. And we had this big tasting menu coming and I just didn't feel I needed a big piece of bread. So I, I skipped it. Um, so I still don't even know. Right. And in, in his article, actually, he didn't even. He didn't answer. He the didn't question. answer the question either. So it's still a mystery. Okay. Someone listening out there, let me know. Do they charge for the bread? <laughs> yeah, I I also though feel that if they do, that it should be the responsibility of the staff to let to let you know to let you know what you're getting into. Right. Yeah. I agree. Because there's nothing worse than getting the charge on the bill for something, whether it be bread or some sort of an add-on that you just had no idea that there was going to be a charge. Cuz again, there's yeah. no nice way or comfortable way of saying Wait a minute. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. True. So that's what this article was about. Uh, another article or review was Eater Today had their second review they're doing by Ryan Sutton. And he gave two stars to Ma Pesh, which is one of David Chang's restaurants. It's in Midtown. And I haven't been there in years. Um, but he was talking about these that they now have this priceless food cart that's sort of Chinese food dim style, dim sum style, uh, where they go around with the cart and they're, I think they, they put it, he was saying they, they have the, a little rolled up sheet on your table. They put that will tell you the prices of things. Pretty much. You don't know the prices and you just pick things that you want to get based on what they look like. Now I'm thinking, okay, Ryan's there. He's, he's, he's not really paying for this. Um, it's a little, I don't, he, it, he was saying it approximately turns out to 125 to 150 per person at his, you know, so it, it's not going to be a cheap meal, but it's a cool, it's a cool concept. I want to go back and experience it. I actually was invited to go for that for oh, lunch. Oh, neat. I, it's coming, it's an upcoming lunch. Oh, okay. And I'm excited to go and try it because the peop- the person who I'm going with has been and is a huge fan of it. I don't know what the lunch price is. I don't know if you're going to eat less at lunch than dinner, but I would assume so. But it sounds like it's fun. It sounds very fun. I think you just have to be careful if something's going by with caviar on top and, you know, and you're watching watching your budget, you you might want to check that. Check the price sheet. Yeah. Because yeah. I've done I've done dim sum in in Chinatown where they it's basically basically that concept where they they're walking by with something and you you point and you say, I want that. But in Chinatown, you don't really have to worry about prices. Right. Yeah, I would <laughs> Which imagine Which is a that. nice thing. Um, but 
But this sound, it sounded really cool. It made me want to go. I, I mean, I don't know how long they've been doing this, but I haven't been there in several years. Right. I was invited. The person who invited me to lunch had just been, I think, a week or two ago and just loved the idea. So we're going to go check it out. Oh, cool. I'll let you know. Let me know how it is. I will. And then last thing, lastly, I just wanted to bring up that Steve Cuso tweeted yesterday that the New York Post, uh, in his review that normally comes out on Wednesday, he's now going to have his review come out on Fridays. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, normally Wednesday is the review day, but he, it's giving him a little more time because he writes real estate too. So apparently it's better for his deadlines. So okay. we will wait till Friday to get your review, Steve. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to take one more break here and we're going to come back and I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, I like the way you do. Whoa, the way you took it so slow. So satisfied. No, I ain't never, 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 never had no loving like this before. And I, I just want to testify that you, yeah, you made me feel so good inside. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, so this week I ventured down to the far-off land of Avenue B in the East Village. Now, I actually love this neighborhood. It has many, many casual restaurants um, that look awesome when you're walking by that I haven't even been to, and then many places I have been. But I don't get to this neighborhood that much because it's way downtown and crosstown for me. However, I was at a networking happy hour event for Tokla Society at La Piccio, and I ran into Dana there, which was cool. And afterward, I decided to go over to this place because we were, I was nearby. Uh, I wanted to check out Donostia, which is about a month old, and it's a new Spanish pinchos place um, that the concept comes from San Sebastian Donostia, hence the name. And uh, I recently took a, a trip to Spain and was in San Sebastian. So I was curious about this place to see how they were, how they were doing um, the Pinchos concept here. And uh, from, from the moment I walked in, I really liked it. Uh, it was mostly bar seating, and they had some tapas on display at the bar. It just had a cool vibe. Uh, but um, it was Monday night, and it really wasn't very crowded. And so I felt it, wasn't, it didn't have the energy of the places that I had visited when I was in Spain. But I settled up at the bar, and I was looking at the menu, and I was trying to figure out what to get because the menu was vast. Uh, I felt like I needed my friend Kevin Patricio, who lives in San Sebastian, and I met up with him when I was there, and he took me around to these Pinchos places and he did all the ordering. So I really needed Kevin because I didn't know what to get. Um, in San Sebastian, there's also some of these places are known for something such as 
anchovies and you just go there and you know that's what you're supposed to get. So at this new place, I didn't know what to order. So I relied on my bartenders um, and they, you know, they were helpful. But in the end, I almost didn't even feel like I ordered that great. Uh, what I had was I had two Montadito, which are kind of like bruschetta with a fancy topping on top. Uh, one I had was Brandad and one was octopus. And they were they were awesome. And then I had the jamon novedol, which uh, was was very good. And then I felt like I needed something else. And so I was looking at the menu again, and the bartender told me to get the cheese. And I, I was hesitant to get cheese because I felt like I should try more prepared foods. But I went, he, he recommended this Itazabal cheese, which is a smoked sheep's milk cheese. And I got that, and it was great. And that was it. I, I mean, I felt satisfied. I didn't have that much. Uh, but I only, it was $23 before tip. And <laughs> I was I was kind of amazed that I did even have as much food as I did for that price. So I would definitely go back and try more things. I think I would try more of the um, prepared dishes. And actually, I just read today, there's a new another new Bosque restaurant that opened in the East Village called Huerta's. And then recently, a dessert Bosque restaurant opened, Hogar Dolce Hogar, and that's in Soho. So I have all these places I want to check out. It's it's interesting that that these San Sebastian Tapas Pinchos places are are all kind of all coming to New York now. Um, but I think it's a good thing. So if if you want to learn more about this place, uh, Donostia's website is donostionyc.com. So there we go. <laughs> so, Dana, we're getting to the end of the show, and now I'm going to ask you to ask my guest next week the final question. And the guest is Sue Chan, and she is one of the co-founders of Tokla Society, this event that we ran into last week. They had a happy hour. And Tokla Society is its a network of women in the hospitality industry that recently started i'm not exactly sure when i think sometime last year probably about a year ago okay uh so you know sue i know sue i'm a big fan of her and the other two founders as well ej and alex they're all part of the same they all work for the momofuku family or they i guess ej doesn't anymore but she did when they all started this and it's a great group they're just such great women who are all different parts of the industry and they pulled together just a fantastic group of women who do a little bit of everything, who just all want to get to know each other and help each other. And it's just a really positive, happy environment whenever I've been to their events. Yeah. No, I, I, I've recently joined in trying to get more active. Some of their events have sold out before I've been able to sign up because yes. they're very limited. They're very limited because... They're just so great. I went to an event with them that was at Food & Wine Magazine. I wanted to go to that one. And it was just great. It was Kate Crater and Dana Cowan, and they were just talking. And these are two powerhouse women in the industry who just sat there with a room full of maybe 25 or 30 people just chit-chatting and telling them about telling their story. And just the idea that they would take the time is just so such a compliment to Alex and Sue and EJ into the group that they've built. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was very bummed. I couldn't get to that one. I hope they said they'll do it again, but we'll see. <laughs> I will say from people who keep getting 
um, maybe not able to sign up right away is go on the wait list because even if it's that day, I know a lot right. of times people are getting off the wait list for the events. Well, that's a good tip. Okay, so what, what should I ask Sue? What's, what's your question? So being from a company that's Midwest-based, and we have more women in our firm than men at the higher levels. Oh, cool. Which is fantastic. And we're in Columbus, Ohio is one of our offices, which is a huge restaurant city, especially for test market stuff. I want to know when they could expect to have their own version of the society. So when are they going to grow outside of the New York marketplace? To Columbus. <laughs> and if it's not Columbus, even yeah. maybe some of the more maybe D.C. or L.A. or Seattle or just somewhere else, because I think what they've done here has just been so phenomenal that it could benefit groups everywhere throughout the country. So my question to them is, when do you think you're going to expand outside the New York market? Okay, excellent. I will ask them. Thank Great. you. I can't wait to hear their answer. Me too. And thank you so much for coming out here today and doing this show with me. Thank you for having me. I love it out here. <laughs> it's already my second time this week over here at Roberta's and it's just so easy to get to and so it nice. Is. Yeah, it is easy and there's lots of people hanging out in in the in the um patio outside and eating and having a good time at this weird hour. Yes, there are. <laughs> so, well, thanks thanks so much. So, I've been talking to Dana Zukowski. She's the CPA and Associate Director at SSNG. Their website is ssng.com and Twitter, Dana Zukowski and at SSNG. If you, because Dana's getting more active in Twitter these days. I'm working on it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, now you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at All Industry, at Sherry Bayer, and at Bayer PR. My website is BayerPublicRelations.com. Now, if you live. If you miss this live broadcast or any live broadcast on Heritage Radio Network, you can find us on our website. And all the shows are also on Stitcher and iTunes. And you can leave reviews on these apps, too. I don't think anyone's left me a review yet. But if you feel so inclined, please go ahead and do so. Okay, thank you, Jack, my engineer. And thanks to everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4. Hope you'll tune in then. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody.